2: You might not want that feeling of being the B-side. All world champions, defending world champions should have to sing their own national anthem from that one. Stadium, to me, says world title fight. Maybe the best prospect we've got. Every fight's usually hard. Delicious Ori, the best name of the lot. Let's get on with it. I'm George. He's Deck. Hello. It's the George Groves Boxing
1: Club. (laughs) Happy Monday, Deck. Happy Monday, George. How the devil are you? Great weekend. Summer barbecue. Nothing to do with me. End of... Well, end of sort of school. Parent slash teacher social barbecue at the school. Always fun. And guess who was there? Who Guess who the DJ was, Deck? and you'll never guess. Arvin. No, it was Charlie from Busted. Fucking hell. <laughs> Charlie from Busted was a DJ at the school barbecue this year. And to be fair to him, I don't think it's a massive fall from grace. He just has an affiliation with the school. I think his niece goes or something or other. So yeah, he got roped in. Oh yeah, and shout out to my youngest who had his first um, school party. It was good. There was a magician. There was a bouncy castle. It's a face painter. I mean, they went all in. There was three three kids' birthdays. You tie them all in together. Otherwise, you're at parties it all day every day every week
2: well I'm glad you mentioned barbecue because I was hoping for a segue because as you know because I messaged you currently obsessed so this weekend I moved house I finally moved into my new flat two things one there was no electricity which was painful it's obviously here now but the thing that got me through this particularly stressful move was this Instagram account called at barbecue with big Jake and I don't know if you've seen it you were my number one favorite barbecue -er, barbecuist until I discovered Disc and now he's number one numero uno sorry mate he's knocked you off the top spot
1: if anyone does have a little delve into the barbecue world uh, I'm not even ranked
2: Um, (laughs) not even ranked with the WBC let's plug back into today's episode anyway um, we've got some boxing to discuss before we do George if we had any uh, listener interaction this week
1: we had one via the email it's uh, an email from Matt Murphy he says fellas still loving the pod still so that's good he's put easily the best pod Cast ever made. Now that's not even specific to boxing. That's all podcasts going. He says, buzzing to hear you're going to be doing some listener-related pods. Here we go. Just had an idea for a tournament. You could pit different listeners against each other in a head-to-head
2: trivia based on information from the pod. I reckon we could we could put our minds together and put up some questions. Maybe this could be like an end of year. Or, did you know, next month is our first birthday. Maybe this could be something we could no do. Way. Yeah, we could do it for our first birthday. But carry on, what else did he say?
1: Right, well he's given us an example. So he said, um an example being something like, what was the name of Scott Welsh's gym in Yarmouth? Or, what would be Frank Warren's ring walk song? He said, do it like an FA Cup knockout style and the winner gets
2: some merch. And if you're taking bets early doors, my money is on sweet pug. The pug would be in the run and it'd be an early favourite. That's such a good idea. Maybe we we should put our heads together and come up with something. Maybe a maybe a birthday quiz. Well, let's get straight into the weekend's action, yeah. shall we? Right, where should we start? Because we two two shows. This is the annoying thing about British boxing. There's nothing in Britain this weekend, but we had two concurrent shows at the weekend just gone. Where do you want to start? In Manchester or Sheffield?
1: Let's start in Manchester with Savannah Marshall against Cruz. was
2: her last name? Cruz de Zern, Cruz de Zern, who was as of as up until Saturday night the undisputed super middleweight champion but Savannah Marshall unceremoniously ripped all four belts from her with a majority decision and she is now the undisputed champion of the world at super middleweight George what did you think what did you make of the fight
1: there had a bit of a misfits element to it you know um, she wanted to walk the theme tune sing the theme tune she, she sang the national anthem
2: yeah hold on let's, fight. let's hold it there let's hold it there because I thought that was brilliant I thought that was amazing I think that all world Champion, defending world champions should have to sing their own national anthem from now on.
1: Marshall was a much better boxer. Got to be honest when the scorecards come out like on reflection I wasn't scoring the rounds but I thought Marshall won comfortably enough. You know you'd give the zone a couple of the rounds and a share of a couple of rounds but you know 95-95. How about you? What did you make of it?
2: Yeah I'm kind of with you. I thought we kind of know anyone who's seen Cruz zone before knows that she's technically limited I think and she'd probably agree with that but she does bring the heat and she and as Peter Fury who Savannah Marshall's trainer said afterwards she would drag you into a dogfight and they knew that was what was going to happen she was going to try and get on top of Marshall just mm. ruffle her feathers and try and beat her up basically in a, in a fight and Marshall did well I thought to to stifle that she held her own when it got really like messy and then the better work all the better work technically came, came from her when she had the chance to so I thought she was a reasonably comf- comfy winner I thought a draw was silly didn't see that at any point but so that's again the problem with 10 rounds and certainly the problem with two minute rounds is sometimes it's it's a bit harder to pick or over the course of 10 rounds it can come out like that but deserved winner it's a bit of a strange one because no one watching it or people watching it for the first time people watching women's boxing for the first time might have gone well this is not like technically this is not as good as what we used to from from the men, worlds apart from some of the women's boxing we've seen, you know, in the last four or five years. Marshall did her job and she's now Undisputed Champion. She lost all her belts to Clarissa Shields in her last fight at the back end of last year. In her first fight back, she's, she's Undisputed Champion at a new weight. So she's kind of done her job and she's back at the top. But again, that goes to show the kind of paucity of women's boxing that you can go from losing in a big fight like that straight into a fight of that significance and win reasonably comfortable.
1: It's still an awful, awful long way off what it could be. It still might take a generation or two before it is up there where you're getting quality fights every time. There's a lot there's a lot of world title fights, it feels like, in, in women's box. There's a lot of unified world champions. But good, I suppose, good that Sky Sports and all the, well, all the broadcasters are supporting women's boxing. But also that night, Declan... Um, which I haven't yet seen there was a show on in Sheffield
2: so in Sheffield we had Dalton Smith um, against Sam Maxwell at the top of the bill. Dalton Smith the Sheffield boy the British champion who was vying to win it outright obviously if you win for those who don't know if you win the, if you defend ses- successfully defend the British title three times you get to keep the belt outright so Dalton won it actually Sam Maxwell who his opponent at the weekend vacated it because he wanted to go and box for the IBO world title he actually lost that fight and then the belt became vacant and Dalton Smith won it by virtue of beating Sam O'Mason last year in August. And then he defended it against Casey Benjamin, 12-round points decision in November. Sorry, that was 2022 when he won it. And then in November 2022, he defended it for the first time, outpointing Casey Benjamin. Then he outpointed Billy Allington over 12 in February And then now for his third successful defence, he beat Sam Maxwell. Now, a couple of things to say before that. So I just mentioned that Allington and... Benjamin two fight, his two previous fights have gone the distance so Dalton Smith this really hot prospect maybe the sort of hottest prospect in the country at one point the shine had come off him a little bit he'd had a couple of distant jobs where he had, he'd looked a bit lackluster and he'd admitted that so he needed to make a big statement here against Sam Maxwell a former British champion wanting to win the belt back himself and he did it in style like it was a it was a really good fight Maxwell kind of never really got a foothold in the fight Dalton Smith was kind of all over him from the start and then Smith got cut actually was cut above both eyes looked like a sort of cut that might stop a fight but they they carried on and actually the cuts really galvanised him in the seventh round one of the knockouts of the year so far and you do well to find a better one all year side of the head temple back behind the ear that sort of place top of the head and Maxwell just completely collapses and Smith's back among the knockouts and obviously still maintaining winning ways and the statement that everyone wanted maybe
1: it's the right thing for him that he's he has
2: sort of stayed
1: and cleaned up sort of the d- domestic seed now you know won that British title outright in good fights you say he's been a distance the last couple of times but now he's back to know, a
2: spectacular KO
1: finish sounds, sounds incredible I need to get back and watch that
2: there's a couple of things now with Smith though it's like talking about maybe going up to European level someone who's ranked pretty high with EBU or could be in this running is someone like Harlem Eubank who we've had on the show of course and winning and winning that would be a great fight for Dalton Smith now someone like Harlem Eubank there's a there's a few more names in there but before you step up to 140 like to the world level and to that world scene I think what we saw on Saturday was when he had an opponent that was challenging and people were starting to wonder whether he was the favourite he was a big favourite obviously but people were starting to think oh maybe Maxwell is experienced maybe he could do a job on Smith here and it brought the best out of him and I feel like someone like Harlem Eubank would bring even more out of him and and it be great for Harlem as well who's been waiting for a big chance like that Just
1: some really good fighters coming through on different promotional teams different networks we've got Adam Azim on Sky you've got Dalton Smith um, with Zone uh, and Harlem who's been predominantly boxing on Channel 5 with his deal with Wasserman but I believe Wasman now uh, have a deal with Zone as well and Josh Kelly's next fight will be uh, on his own, essentially That hopefully that makes that fight maybe a little bit easier to make you know the Harlem Eubank Dalton Smith both guys will know that's a super tough fight but a great stepping stone fight for getting
2: if they can get it for the European title as well be a great fight absolutely
1: great fight and that's probably yeah I think that makes sense the next route for for Dalton Smith it says on our nose here though that he's
2: teased the fight in 2024 at Hillsborough as well Hillsborough stadium yeah the football stadium um, Sheffield Wednesday went up last year and you know what they're like at, does, well, what Eddie Hearn. Well, to be fair, what everyone that's the route now, isn't it? Is you go, you build your fan base, you do the the arena, the closest arena to you, you build a fan base, then maybe you have another big fight to really build it. And then it's like, what's the stadium for us? They do it with everyone and uh, makes a lot of sense. It gets big nights and big events. The thing is, is that 2024 is not that long, far away. So to put it at Hillsborough, Unless they've got a deal with, you know, the same with Bournemouth, where if the club are really on board with it and really want to do it, maybe they get it for a good good price and it was obviously be the capacity would be far higher than it was in the arena and if you can get a fight this worthy of that maybe like uh, who knows if harlem eubank would be that fight but you know if they can get a big fight there's no reason why not it's july now so maybe if he boxes again before the end of the year maybe an early one next year and then a summer fight by that point you are knocking on the door for for world titles if he keeps winning
1: stadium to me says world title fight in the olden days an arena fight was a world title fight because, but, you know we've moved on now you get British title fights in arenas but yeah world title I'm trying to think now I don't think there's been a stadium fight yet that isn't a world title fight but yeah exciting 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 stuff is you know and we know when then fights are sort of talked about and then made and then they've got to deliver then they got to sell us the story as well deck which is always the fun part as well you know you want to get people super interested in the fighter in the fight in the story in the journey so um got to get him on the show
2: if we can get his old man as well that'd be a good get his old man Grant Smith his coach coach of Sonny Edwards as well don't hear much from him actually I uh, Boxing News did a really good interview with him on the Sunday and one thing as well about Dalton Smith he walked out to the Arctic Monkeys George
1: oh man after your own heart didn't he I know um, he came
2: out he, although he came out to Scummy which I thought was well, a tune and it's got a good like slow build and then it comes but it's a bit like subject matter is a bit heavy for um for a boxing ring walk or a bit disconnected from boxing but it was great It was great they, they loved it and Obviously, Sheffield band as well. We're gonna talk
1: also about the fight in the States did you watch the fight in the States yes did you see Jared Anderson take on former world champion Charles Martin? I mean I saw a bit of bits and pieces he's been I assume in Florida with with Roy Jones Jr. riding horses oh, that talking was, about that was good pressure you know and Jones is giving him a fantastic pep talk about being the man in the arena I don't know much about Jared Anderson but you know he's got a tear in his eye saying what if I can't be that man I was like is this choreographed is it genuine is it not what do you believe
2: I interviewed Jared Anderson last year actually it was before he was over for the fight week of Savannah Marshall and Clarissa Shields, because he was a top rank, and they brought him over to do the rounds, to the press round. But he do, he hates doing interviews. He really, it was a real struggle. And i have been warned. I, people had said like he really doesn't like interviews. Like you got your workout, and we sat down in a hotel near the O2 Canary Wharf sort of way, and he was quite hard work. Like he was quite quiet and like couldn't really be asked to do the interview. To be honest, and then some food came out for him and he was—he loosened up a bit and we got chatting about it and basically he said he really doesn't like boxing at all he just sort of he's good at it he doesn't watch it he doesn't care for it he said that he wants to be done and dusted in the sport within like three or four years he's got no interest in hanging around he does it because it pays the bill he can make a lot of money in a short space of time his brother's in prison at the moment he's done ring walks where he's like in a in a sort of prison boiler suit, essentially. And he said, you know, by the time his brother's out of prison, he wants to be done and he wants to be out and traveling and stuff like that. And then also after the fight, there's a video of him and he's with his mum and he's crying and stuff. I feel like he's, I don't think any of this is for show. I feel like he has got a strange relationship with boxing and with that position of his as the man or, you know, it is a weird sport at the end of the day, you would know better than anyone. But like, I don't think he's putting this on. I feel he has a very, very weird relationship with boxing Um, but he turns up and he does the business most nights and he did on Saturday he won nine rounds to one in the end he got wobbled a couple of times and people are saying he's been exposed but I disagree I thought it was a decent opponent for him and a southpaw and you know he did, he did the business in the end from what I saw as
1: well and usually I'm the other way I'm that skeptic where I'm like someone will say someone done something really well and I'd be like yeah but I think the opponent was just poor mm. whereas this is almost like I feel like Charles Martin was better than I expected maybe because he took the fight at a couple of days notice maybe because he's at that stage of his career where not that he's not trying to win but he's comfortable losing but he, he showed good good ring generalship good ability he got caught he got dropped in the third round right at the end of the third round anderson sort of in a southpaw stance check check right hook comes right over the top and he goes down he's not he hasn't gone down heavy so he's up straight away back on his feet so it was a good test for for anderson a good a, a good fight for him at this stage of his career you know once we know once in heavyweight division like if you're marketable, you get moved through quick and you can get your shot quick. You know, if you're not marketable, you might be hanging around for three years waiting for a shot. But if you're marketable, which he is, he's an American who's shown vulnerability. If he starts giving away a bit more, you know, in terms of his interviews, he's, uh, he has a value. So it was a good learning fight for him, I think. Great, great learning fight for him and uh, he done well. The card, the card was good. Good performance for him.
2: Good outing. I think people people think of Charles Martin, they think of him getting knocked out and barely throwing a punch against Anthony Joshua. And But he, the fact is, he's good, he's big and he's southpaw and he's awkward and he's tough. He didn't t- he didn't show up that night at the O2, but I thought it was a good opponent. Like, Jared Anson's 23. It's insane. So like, you know, if he keeps going the way he is, even if he is in a rush to get out of the sport, he's got big, some big fights, and he, like you say, he was the knockdown came from southpaw. He's doing both stances. You don't see that much at heavyweight. Outside of Tyson Fury, anyway, interested to see the next sort of two to three fights that they do with him now. Kosobutsky, he was supposed to fight who was a big, big puncher, Kazakh guy. That would have been a really interesting fight, and that's why Martin came in as a as a late replacement, another Southpaw. Maybe they think, whoa, let's p- pump the brakes a bit on on Anderson, like he had his hands full with with Martin. Let's have a couple more learning fights. But if he really is in a in a rush, like he said he is, then um maybe they just go throw caution to the wind and chuck him in again. But I mean, I mean, I'd love to see. Like who knows what happens in the next two or three years, but like him against people like Dubois and people like, or maybe if Joshua is still going at that point, you've got to sort of rule out Tyson Fury at this point because of what he's what he's up to. But I think he's really going to be a star if he if he wants to be. So a couple of things on the undercard over here. One of them was on the undercard in Manchester. Was Tasha Jonas winning a world title, at a second in a second weight class at welterweight, beating Candy White, stopping Candy White. Actually, proved really that Candy White was not fit for a vacant world title shot at that weight. Like she, I think she'd lost three of the last four or something before the Jonas fight. And Jonas just absolutely showed her the levels and uh she's now a champion at welterweight as well as well as up at 154 so considering she she got beat that time only a few years ago and looked to be on the way out her second coming is has been insane what you know what an achievement from her and uh the big wins keep coming and now she's in division with people like sandy ryan and big fights there big fights up at light middle the world's a royster it looked like she was done at one point and she's right in there still
1: Settled and probably in a full, a full flow working with, with Joe Gallagher up in Manchester Liverpool
2: way Callum Simpson won he's good and Jeffers beat Zach Chelly Zach big Chelly. upset big shout out to. I've got to apologise to, um, to Jeffers I wrote the preview for Boxing News I said thought Chelly was going to beat him and maybe even stop him down the, down the stretch and he didn't he was great before. he stole that was his night I thought that was Jeffers Mark Jeffers' night big shout out to him
1: he's a hard nice work for anyone mm. Jelly. and to be fair to him he's never had any real backing he's always had to have hard fights um, but he usually always manages to, to scrape through him but Jeff has beat him keeps his unbeaten record
2: and um, he'll
1: be looking for
2: maybe another bigger scalp one other shout on the undercard in Sheffield was Pat McCormack now we all know about Pat McCormack Commonwealth Games gold medalist Olympic silver medalist Maybe the best prospect we've got in the country he knocked out Tony Dixon he's very very good nothing he does is like amazing but everything he does is very good his speed's good his punch selection's good reactions are amazing can't wait to see him stepped up Ben Davison his trainer said that he thinks that McCormack will become the best he's ever trained and he's had some big names in there including like Josh Taylor and whatnot. I think he could be right what a star Pat McCormack is
1: right well that's it there. we'll have a break there shall we we come back and there's a few other little talking points that we should cover so let's have a break there
0: step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chopper
2: big news in the amateur world delicious Ori became golden delicious Ori he's the current GB super heavyweight he won the European gold medal which also qualifies him for the Olympics so now so we have a super heavyweight qualifier at the Olympics so that means he joins this elite club since 2000 Audley Harrison when Audley Harrison went as a super heavyweight in 2004 there wasn't a super heavyweight it was only Amir Khan was the only boxer from Britain who went to those Olympics in 2008 David Price, 2012, Anthony Joshua, 2016, Joe Joyce, 2020, Fraser Clark, and now 2024 in Paris, Delicious Ori, the best name of the lot. I
1: know GB produce a lot of significant medals um, and they have done the recent couple of generations, but um, a tall order. Sometimes in some ways winning a European amateur medal can be harder than winning a world because every fight is usually hard. Sure, you haven't got the USA, you haven't got Cuba, you haven't got a few others that might slip the net, but um, you know, you're talking about a lot of Eastern Bloc
2: countries that produce a lot of great fighters. Also, always a lot of great heavyweights. So, well done to him. I mean, his world's about to change. I would say, especially if he goes there and, and wins a gold or medals. You know, he's a really bright guy. Like, speaks well you know self-aware I think he could be a real star and he can fight as well because they don't give those medals away
1: and you think the last couple of generations have been Joyce and Clark who are on the cusp of 30 maybe even over 30 when they've decided to have a run at the pros they have to be pushed hard, whereas he might be still a couple of years off of his prime when he's turning pro. So that's no, exciting, really exciting.
2: Okay, well, speaking of super heavyweights, and we've already mentioned one of them, we'll start with Anthony Joshua. So it seems that his fight with Dylan White is going to happen now on August the 12th. Like It looked like he was going to fall out of bed. We hear this weekend that Dylan White has returned his part of the contract and he's agreed to fight Anthony Joshua on August the 12th. I mean, it's a big fight, it's about as big as it gets in this country. It probably hasn't got, I don't know, how do you feel about it, George? It probably hasn't got the shine we used to have with Anthony Joshua.
1: It's a weird one and it's not a slight on Joshua, but his fights are more exciting now that he doesn't have the belt. It's a bit more of a of a pick and fight. You know, I still make Joshua a significant favourite in this fight, to be honest. Um, But both of them have, have got a little bit more on the line in that, you know, they've got to win to be in line to maybe challenge again for a world title if that's what either one of them... Have ambitions to do so. I think I think it's a good fight. I think you know White hasn't really set the world alight. He got beat up, broke down, and 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 stopped by Tyson Fury. I was hoping for for better from him, but I think the occasion got to him. It was a mega night, massive night, and then after that he boxed Franklin. You know, some people thought Franklin was a little bit unlucky not to get the decision that night. But that's a good fight. It's a really good domestic fight. Where do you think that's
2: taking place, Dick? There was talk of going outside to Tottenham or someone like that, but my feeling it would just land at the O2. Do you give White much of a chance here? Obviously, they boxed. Twice already, once as amateurs and White won and then Joshua knocked him out in the pros and a lot of water under the bridge since then. White's going to fancy the job, but he's going to think that Joshua's a spent force and shot. And Joshua's going to think, well, I've beaten him once already and he's an old man now, so, you know, beat him again. Where do you, you land on it? White's got that tremendous left hook that he could easily land on Joshua, but...
1: It's been a while since we've seen him in the ring and looking good. And Joshua, again, didn't set the world alight against Franklin, but beat him comfortably enough. So I do make I make Joshua the favourite. I think he probably stops him as well. How, how about you? How do you see it?
2: I'd have to agree with that. It might be that White has his moments. I think he's shown signs. Obviously, Tyson Fury really didn't get into that fight. And then, yeah, like you say, the Franklin fight wasn't great. To be fair, neither was Joshua in the Franklin fight, but if it descends into like a real tear-up, then White's got a chance. But Joshua's you know, working with Derek James now, another camp under his belt. It really depends on what he's been doing there, and if he's been doing it right, which I can only assume he has. I think we're going to see a renewed, reinvigorated Joshua ness, and he wants to make a statement because on the line is that big mega night in Saudi Arabia in December. So if he loses, that's gone. If he wins, the dream is alive. He'll make all that money or box Deontay Wilder. But sadly, it appears that Usyk is not going to be boxing Tyson Fury for for all the belts on that card as well, because we hear in that Tyson and Fury's going another route entirely a disappointing one from my point of view it sounds like he's going to now fight Francis Ngannou who is a MMA guy well this is what Eddie Hearn says in some sort of exhibition fight don't know whether that's going to be in a ring or in a cage or with no knockdowns or you know it's all conjecture at this point but what it seems is that he's going to do that instead of pushing ahead and putting his WBC belt on the line against Usyk and his three other belts so we can finally have this undisputed champion which is disappointing isn't it especially if you don't like MMA like me, I don't even, I don't know who Ngannou is. Like I don't, it, it does nothing for me. So like it's such a shame because I thought it, I thought we were finally gonna get the USIC fight. It
1: would be nice. I'd be happy for you, Declan, if there was an absolutely undisputed heavyweight. Yeah. I think you are so invested in it now. I've been writing about it for so long. If there's mega money on the table for Tyson Fury to fight the UFC guy in some sort of no doubt boxing format, which he would be over the moon with, it's logical for him to take that, then take a risk. Fight against Usyk, and it is a tough fight against Uzik. He knows that his team know that. Like the momentum of Tyson Fury's following, which was like at its peak maybe three, four years ago, after one of the wilder fights where you know people thought he was unbeatable he was a force to be reckoned with greatest heavyweight of all time and all this stuff now there's
2: this little fellow Usyk who's on the scene and there's question marks so I don't want to see him have a fight with someone who's not in his league in a boxing match like what's the point we've sort of seen that against Derek and then Dylan White Like we've seen him do that take people apart it's it's just it's just frustrating as a fan more than anything else it's a weird one like Tyson Fury also has been the hometown fighter for you know been the
1: A side of the card for a long time if so that fight has to go to Saudi and Usyk already done the deal and Tyson Fury's not then he might not want that feeling of being the B-side.
2: Well, okay, we don't want to moan too much about fights that won't happen. We know that later this month what will happen is Errol Spence against Terence Crawford but this weekend, this is our only real little look ahead, this weekend two of the future superstars, if not already there at welterweight are both in action on separate cards in San Antonio Virgil Ortiz Jr who I really like is going to box Iman Staniola. And that's in San Antonio, and in Atlantic City, the one and only Jaron Ennis is also in action. He's boxing Romain Villa. Both of these guys are will be looking at Crawford and Spence and going, "You two are nearly done. I'm the new future." I've always thought Jaron Ennis, in particular, future pound for pound number one. He's but he's thirty and 0, 27 knockouts. Most people outside of boxing circles never have heard of him. And then timing wise, it might be that he just gets to one of Spencer Crawford and that's the sort of passing of the torch. But big night for the World Weights in America on Saturday.
1: They're not necessarily biding their time waiting for these guys to be over the hill. The World Weight division has been packed anyway. And yeah, sure, we're excited about these two. I mean, Ortiz is a phenomenal fighter. You know he might land above
2: Ennis 19-0 19 knockouts and he's only 25 you know
1: Spencer Grover's being made one of them's going to want the winner one of them's going to want the guy who gets beat you say the handing over the torch makes sense but them two guys are still fighting at such an exceptionally high level it's a funny one it's a hard one I wouldn't want to be necessarily be in charge of managing any of their careers but uh it's a massive night for a massive weekend as you say for the, for the Weight division it's good that they both land on the same weekend no doubt on purpose there'll be direct comparisons uh, plenty for us to get to get stuck into and assess but so far none of no one has put a foot wrong in their
2: career really have they if listeners haven't seen Ennis before you've got to go and check him out so, and, and Ortiz to be fair but Ennis is like he has that style where he could become like that untouchable force but he it's his second fight this year he boxed in January he only boxed once in 2022 and only twice in 2021 so like it's, it's just a way of the world now isn't it it's just slowed down and people overtake you and people stop talking about you and stuff so I'm open for a bit of a statement against Villa I think he could He's the sort of opponent who could make it, who could leave openings and uh, Ennis could really exploit him. Or he could get ginned. Maybe he's not the real deal, but I think he really is. When you look at this side of the pond, like when Conor Ben, when all that sorts itself out, like we don't know exactly what's going to happen there, but he's their sort of equivalent, isn't he, as a welterweight youngster. So it's always good to see what, you know, what the comparison is or what the competition is going to be like for someone like Conor Ben if he is fighting for world titles in two or three years, because these guys are going to be the ones who have the belts probably. Oh, one more shout, George. Our mate Brad Pauls is back in action and he's fighting once again. Remember remember when we spoke to him on this podcast, and if you haven't listened to that pod, it was one we did with Brad after he suffered the first defeat of his career and he just wanted to come in and get some advice from George about how you possibly bounce back from that. And that was the fight that Brad had against Tyler Denny And that was for the English title. That was for the English middleweight title. So he came in, we spoke to him, he got back on the horse, went and won his comeback fight. And now he's announced in September, he's going to be back out and he's boxing for the English middleweight title again. So the one, the belt that eluded him in that Tyler Denny fight, he's going to get a second crack at. He's boxing Mitchell Frierson, September Twenty-third. We look
1: forward to it. Uh, maybe he can definitely let us know of any updates. How he's getting on. We will not give away any secrets ahead of fight night.
2: Brad Pauls, though, he's one. He's one of the elitist of all elite club members. But not everyone is George. How can you become one if you want to have have that coveted title? Simply. By hitting the follow button in your podcast app. We do
1: need it. We we appreciate it. Every one of you listeners, just hit the follow button in your podcast app.
2: Why? Because more follows mean better guests and bigger names. Probably means more merch. And on the subject of merch, we've got some merch news, haven't we, George? Yeah, we've got caps nowadays. Oh ho!
1: caps. Headwear. Caps that go on your head. Headwear. It goes on your head. GGB right, they are available. Caps us up on the socials socials are always gg boxing club that's instagram twitter TikTok. Uh, and on instagram you will find a link in the bio our link tree find the merch get yourself some merch
2: if you want some tunes to listen to while you're sort of walking along in your new cap then you should go on spotify check out our our playlist the ring walk and that is also available via that link tree george and you can also listen ad free on amazon music we are back this Wednesday, a couple of days,
1: regular programming, and we have none other than the brilliant Craig Richards on deck. He's come on to tell us a little bit about the current situ with the Light Heavyweight division, getting up for the big fights, maybe even a little bit of being the underdog. Yeah, and where's uh, he been? He's going to be a great app.
2: I can't wait. I'll see you there. See you Wednesday, Deck.